Oh, a finish from Lita here to the box. Lotta, will he go for goal? Goes for goal. Here it is! Welcome to the Bees Analytica podcast. Hello and welcome to the final episode of the Bees Analytica podcast. On this week's episode, I'm joined by the usual two, Alfie and James, and also third host, Andy, who's joined us for this last episode. On this week, we're going to be discussing a bit of the Reading-Brentford game from last night and having a debate of who is the greatest player and sports person of all time. Also, to finish it off, we're going to have a look a bit about would you rather England win in a World Cup or your club win the Champions League and discuss the international stage. Welcome, boys, and let's end this one on a high, shall we? Yep. Let's do it. We'll start off then with, obviously, your freeze opinion from a Reading point of view last night's game. We'll go to Al first. What do you make of it? Positives, negatives? Uh, Positives. We went toe-to-toe with arguably the best side in the championship. Um, Yeah, we gave a good count of ourselves, to be honest. And I think it... The performance fully justifies why we are up in the top six. I mean, the re- the result less so, but the performance justifies it. I think three one was very harsh. I think it should have been a a draw or a team nicks it either way. But you know, as soon as the second gone in, the error. It's just one of those things, isn't it? No, I agree. I, I agree with you. I think you've been desperately unlucky against us these last this, this season anyway. I suppose I think it's like eight shots on target and you've conceded six. Not yeah. all, obviously, Raphael and a blunder in the first game and probably should have done better with Kamos' effort yesterday. That's it. If that would have cost us the three points, uh, a point, you would have been absolutely gutted. But because we were losing at that time, it didn't really look like scoring. It's, it's not so bad, but still. That is a woeful statistic. Is there, some, is there anything you noticed during the game, James, that you spotted that worth bringing up? Well, well, I just thought that it was kind of the game was at such a fast pace that I felt that the, the five sub rule really benefited Brentford in, in this match and that they were able to bring on like for like players that you, your, the team didn't look arguably weaker than the one that started and they could keep that, keep, you know, pressing Reading in the second half and keep looking to create chances whereas we just kind of I think we sort of ran out of steam um, part of the way through and yeah. we didn't really have the quality to bring on to keep up that tempo and that quality so it just sort of kind of dropped off towards the end but the fact that we're disappointed to lose to Brentford you know after the last few years of where we've kind of finished so we've come on leaps and bounds and I can't have too many complaints really about yesterday other than the fact that the scoreline was harsh yeah, and I agree with you. I think it was that weird one. There was just such a drop off in that second half from you block. I think for forty five minutes you were causing us all manner of issues. Like we couldn't bet, we could barely play out. We were trying to build through the thirds, we couldn't. I think Lauren actually literally run the show, ran the show in midfield. It's just you seem to come out for that second half, and just the entire dynamic of the game changed. You seemed content sitting off and trying to protect instead of stopping us playing. And that just kind of played into our hands, I think. It allowed Silver, allowed Jensen to push further forward, get into these pockets of space where they can affect the game. Which were in the first half, De Silva barely got a touch up the pitch. He couldn't get it there. He was dropping deep. He was up to come into unfamiliar places for him. 
I just, yeah, it just seemed really, really odd, especially, I don't know if you guys have done that in recent weeks, where it's been a case of just changing style at halftime. It, it's just, yeah, it was, I've got the pressing intensity numbers here. First half it was seven, in first quarter it was seven, second quarter it was uh, ten and a half, and then went down to 4.8. And then second half, you didn't get lower than ten the entire game. It like... I'll put the graphic up and maybe in the edit, but you can just see the drop off, and it's just staggering. Like, is it a tactical thing, personnel thing? I think it's a lack of energy. <laughs> to be frank, I don't think we could have kept that intensity up for the ninety minutes. I just think it's 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 a lack of options as well. I mean, we knew we knew that we didn't. You look at our bench, and quite honestly, looking at the bench that we had yesterday there's no one on there that's going to come on and change the game in a positive way there's no one good enough on that bench who is going to come on and change the game at championship level mm. and I, I think they knew that and once they weren't ahead at half time when arguably they were the better team in the first half i think that just took a little bit of the steam out of them knowing that he didn't capitalize whilst they were on top and they didn't have any game changes to bring off the bench that was, I think, where we lost it. It's just the lack worst. of depth. I, I just think it's a lack of depth on the bench. That's where we lost the game, effectively. And that's where Brentford won the game. What they could bring off the bench was as good as what was on the pitch at the start. Yeah, definitely. It's quality of squad. I mean, you think about it. We we both have pretty much the same amount of players out. I mean, we had Swift, Mate, and more. You had... Janssen and Norgard out mm. but the depth on your bench meant that even with those two players out you could still bring on as good a players like nor I, I mean I know Norgard would normally start in, uh, ahead of Janssen, uh, Janssen Janalt but Janalt didn't put a foot wrong so if he's coming off the bench you know that's a like for like option yeah. whereas we had to take off Samedo for a Luco <laughs> yeah you look at it you're not odd this season. Like he's been a lot of plaudits. I think defensively he's been class, but I spoke about it with Dave from Beast Tactical. I, I'm not entirely sold on him on his ball playing. I don't think he's very good as a ball player. I think defensively no qualms. He, he's absolutely brilliant. He does the same role as Norgard. It's and I looked at his like forward passing percentages. It's like only twenty percent of his passes go forward compared to Norgard's. It's like forty, and you can mm. see it in a game that we just stagnate and when someone like Samedo last night is pressing on him on his touch he just goes backwards and lateral and keeps the bottle that doesn't get us forward that means we struggle in possession and we don't build so then a Jensen has to drop back into Silva has to drop back and it wasn't until that second half that we made the pitch bigger we spread you out we switched it continually to the side and side to create gaps for ourselves that allowed Jensen and Silva to get forward and go straight into them was trying to build for you now. I don't think we're good enough, or he's not good enough yet. He's learning the system, for goodness sake. He's 22 in his first year in the championship. It's been thrown into a deep end because Norgard's been injured for months. I don't, don't, the context is needed, but yeah, it's that you can see the parallels between him and Norgard. And they're not all positive. Alfie, where, just to quickly jump in here, how do you think the game changes this if Swift starts ahead of Samedo and if we have the likes of Mate to bring off the bench? If, if we did have that full. That, that squad, those two that obviously had to drop out just before the match. Do you think we'd have seen yeah. a different result? 
you know, I think we would have. I think, well, I, you know, it's hard to say, you know, if we would have come out in the second half like we did the first half yeah, we were in the game, it's hard to say that. But I think if we had Swift and Mate in the squad or in the starting lineup, then we would have been able to continue that intensity and then yeah. affect the game a bit more. Because obviously Swift is one of the best ball players and he's so creative. So all the touches Tomato was getting, you would argue maybe Swift would have created a few more chances in the first half. And same with Mate, I mean, off the bench, he would have caused havoc for Henry. I know Henry's lightning quick, but when you've got Mate's pace and um, build and strength, late in a game, he would have tormented and, you know, would have done what Brentford did to us, which was push you back. Yeah, and um, Tom Holmes obviously didn't got dropped ahead of a year on. Do you think year on? Do you think Holmes would have made the match any different? Do, do, can you see why Holmes was dropped ahead of year? Do you know the? I think the reason Holmes was dropped was because it was Mbwemo and Fosu. I think Holmes will come back in for Saturday against that Mill. pace, wasn't it? It was the pace of pace. those wingers that yeah. made. Yeah, I think that's why Yedom started. To be honest, well, what impressed me was that Yedom has been in and out of the team. He's been injured for the best part of the last eight months, and. Yeah. He's he come into that team against a very tough team and a very good winger that he was one v one v one with. He he didn't look like he'd missed a game this season. But he slotted straight back in. He looked fully fit. Yeah, I, I think he he had Fosu right where he wanted him in the first half to the point where the wingers switched sides. Yeah, and I think that's always a compliment to the fullback when the winger getting no joy against you so goes over to the other side of the pitch to be fair i will yeah jump in we have done that several times because both players are both right-footed trying to play out on the left they're playing in that yeah unfamiliar roles so they do rotate pretty frequently i don't know if it's a case of that traditional sunday league of right go and try and beat your man the other side but it's been something we've done several times this season just to try and free him up on on the point about swift i think we did miss him because our passing into the final third or game really even in the first half when we were better yeah. passing into the final third was poor for pretty much the entire match yeah i look at yeah. it when we pressed them and a couple of times where Samedo won the ball back high up then couldn't pick a pass you think yeah. you'd like to think if that was john swift we would create an opportunity exactly. i think that we had a lot of set John's, yeah done so well to press brentford to win the ball back you don't pass it to a Reading player when you win it back. Yeah, so that was a bit annoying. I know, definitely. You were you were unfortunate. You got, I think you gave a very very good account of yourselves. Like I see, you've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter from Brentford fans saying it's probably our toughest game we've had this season. I'd say Bournemouth were probably a, probably just to, uh, take it for me. They because they blew us away for 25, 30 minutes and then fell off it again. But now I think. You're proving a lot of people wrong this season. You've, you've just got to be proud, I think, as a Reading fan, to see where we've been the last three seasons. Mm. Been poor, less than poor, and just play like that against such a good team, one who may end up going up automatically, is very, very promising. If we can keep that up, we'll be in the top six. If we can keep up performances like that. Definitely. The gap gets wider and wider, to be fair. I didn't realise we're 17 clear. I think you're 8 clear. 
it's obviously all teams are going to have a wobble at some point. I think we'll slow down at, at some point. You can't keep not losing. Yeah. I, I know it's cliche, but we've gone 21, 22 now, 23 even, I think. And like, at the end of the day, that's not, that's not going to last forever. We've got to be realistic here. We're going to lose three or four games at some point. It's just a case now of keep it ticking over. Pick it, win your home games, draw your away games, and just keep ticking, really, and see where the rest of the season takes us. If we get anywhere near that 106 season, you like you guys are not going to hear the end of it <laughs> because little old Brentford, eh? From we've been in this league seven, six, seven years now. It's just great to see us keep moving I, I forward. Think it, it, yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I think that game shows to me that Brentford, if they don't get automatics, then it's a failed season because they were electric. And although we, I, I mean, that first half was probably other than arguably the Bournemouth game, was probably the best first half we had. And we came in at 1-0. Do you know what I mean? Whereas in the Bournemouth game, we came in at, what, was 2-0, 3-0? I can't remember what it was. Three. And I think that just goes to... You're still a long way short of the 1-16. So I, think I, I, think, I think that that Brentford team, so far this season, in all the Reading games that I've watched, that is the best opposition we've had to play over 90 minutes that's better than Bournemouth better than Swansea better than Norwich and yeah that is the best team we've had to play over 90 minutes this season yeah and I, I, I yeah and I suppose how far you've come to say you're disappointed with losing 3-1 and they were not 3-1 games I, I, I honestly admit that they were, they were I, unfortunate I mean, I the first one was the first one we were woeful and if if it hadn't have been a three nil in the first twenty minutes, I think you would have scored seven or eight. But you just killed the game and kind of walked around the pitch in the second half. Yeah, I was looking at our back four in that game. It was Fossey was at right back, Charlie Good was at centre back, uh, Madsbeck was left back, and then John Charlie Thompson. Good. No one knows. He's had he's the club have said he's had injuries and he's dealing with them, He was but... a great. He was a great centre back, and I thought he was a great signing. But I just haven't seen it. And you think with this Janssen injury, you'd be seeing a lot more of him, but. Yeah, it's one of them things. I don't know. The club are looking after him, and he came in as a third, fourth choice, or probably yeah. third choice. Madsbeck was fourth, and they've just not seen a lot of him. And yeah. hopefully, maybe the run in, he comes back in, gets a few games. Yeah. Gives... We must be like the one. I was going to do the numbers on it, but I haven't looked, to be honest, because it's just been so busy. But we must be the most left sided or left footed team there is in the Championship. Our two centre backs are left footed, our holding midfielders left footed. Um, it's just to Sil- silver is just either foot because he's incredible, but he's predominantly left footed. Yeah, like that's at least four or five just of our starters. I think Raya is, I think he might be put down as right, but Henry obviously out on the left, so that's five. Well, that is odd to be fair to have that many players of left footed. <laughs> We've just seemed to be stockpiling them. Where do, where do you think Brentford will end up at the end of the season? Do you think it'll be playoffs or do you think you'll go up automatically this year? I said at the start of the season and I said in the mid-season review our aim this season is top six and you can give it all your last place now come on surely you've got listen 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 top six was the aim and anything in the top two was a bonus we've put ourselves unlike last year in an excellent position to get up automatically right last year we never were in this position we didn't get top two all season and that's why there's obviously that bottle I'll explain what that means. Yeah, last year we were never in. The, we were in touching distance the entire time, but never broke it. This time we're there, 
it's ours to perceivedly lose. But, like Frank said, it's the next game. And it's that mentality of just keep going. You've got probably 20 or 18 cup finals now to play. And just see where the season ends. At the end of the day, if we go into the playoffs with a bump and a, and a kick, then so be it. We've achieved the aim for the season. But that doesn't that mentality now shifts. We've we've broken the seal. We've got to the position and put ourselves in an excellent position. Now. It's now for us to build on. And I think the players know that. Frank will know that. The club will know that. Just, just see, it's going to be an exciting closure to this season. But let's not get carried away. No one's ever won the league in Feb. Rehab in March. No. <laughs> I knew there was going to be one of you to pop up. <laughs> end end of March, I'll give you that, but still March. It was end of March. You just yeah. got in there before me. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll move the conversation on then, boys. And something that I've has been doing the rounds on Twitter, other than Weetabix and baked beans. But between people of who are or who is the greatest sports person of all time. Now, to prep for this, I won't lie, I have a list of about 50 different names in front of me and have managed to somehow whistle this down to a top five. What we'll do is we'll go from each of one of us who will give their fifth place. We'll discuss each person, their merits, if we agree, disagree. Oh, thank God. I thought you wanted us to put me in the top five there. I was no. thinking... Oh, well, I, I have listed mine as a top five, but... Oh, I have what? So we... So we'll start off. Five. I've just got five names. Yeah, I just got five. Okay, names. if you can quickly list them while we're going round, but we'll start with James then to open up. Who do you, in your opinion, is the top five, fifth sports person of all time? Uh, I've. This is going to be controversial because the whole point is this: this guy's been put number one. I've gone Tom Brady mainly because I'm not particularly into NFL, but you know, even if you're not into NFL, you know who he is. So he's mm -hmm. got to be an icon of some sort. And then I put that because I think NFLs for me is one of the lower sports I choose to watch. Therefore, it's lower in my list. Mm -hmm. He'd be higher in other people's, but for mine, I'd have Tom Brady. In so my, this, he's in yeah. my top five, but he's fifth. Yeah. So this is where I'll clarify what we're defining these people by. And I said it gave the boys the brief of it's their sporting achievement, their legacy, the before, the during, and after their career. Because obviously, not all of these are retired yet, especially in the case of Brady, and their well knownness as, as such. People that are synonymous with their support, uh, with the sport, sorry. So like James mentions with Brady, you say American football, despite not liking it, you know who Brady is. Like ever, He's just the person that people associate with that sport. And that's then that art where the, where we'll debate it and bring it in. I'm surprised you've gone, in, gone fifth for him, to be fair. I, I didn't expect to have American football on your list this early. Uh, I, I, I do have another five people that are basically on the... Mm -hmm. uh, well, no, four that are on the periphery that I could have put in ahead of him. It was literally like a kind of last minute decision. I could have gone Roger Federer, Michael Schumacher, Lewis Hamilton, and Usain Bolt. Mm -hmm. But I've gone, I went for Tom Brady. They're all kind of probably joint fifth. I think when a man wins more Super Bowls than any other franchise, mm -hmm. I think a singular man has done that on his own. I think he has to be in there. Like, yeah. I think it's seven out of ten Super Bowls he's won. He's in a 20-year career, considering right from like as well, you've got to bear in mind in American sport, he was a sixth or seventh round pick. Sixth. You know, the career he's bad. He was and he's 38 short. and he's still having such an impact on the game. 43, James. 43? 43. And he's yeah, still yeah, going. Right. 
Well, that supports my uh, argument even more then if he's you know that much older and he's yeah, still he's, a key player. I, I, I think he he would have to be in anyone's top five for this category. I mean, he is incredible to think that at forty three he's still going at such a high level that some that a lot of players won't achieve at the peak of their career. Mm-hmm. And he's playing that at forty three years old. Better than a lot of players in their peak. That's that's the incredible thing. It's no, hundred percent. Well, just to like give some like context to the stats as well. He's got the most games won by any quarterback in NFL history. He's the most games played by any quarterback in NFL history. He's the most games, uh, t- most games with two touchdown passes or more in NFL history. He's the most throwing touchdowns passes. In NFL history, he has the best touchdown to interception ratio in NFL history. He had the most wins away from yeah. home by any quarterback in NFL history. The most home wins by any quarterback in NFL history. I could go on and on and on. There's about and, and, and the thing, 30 the thing that's impressive as well is that, is that success follows him wherever he is. He's moved from team to team and still had the same level of success no matter where he's been. Mm-hmm. That is again another sign of of a world class talent. Mm-hmm. He can move to another team, another set of players, another coach, and still it does, doesn't even matter. Doesn't even affect him. It's the same player, you, same level you see everywhere. That's again, that's a sign of a very talented player. No, definitely, I think. The one thing is, obviously, a lot of these people don't have legacies as of yet. His is obviously, well, his record will precede him and go behind him for the rest of his career. There's been a few questionable things about his political views and stuff he's said in the past, but then, obviously, like most athletes, he's buttoned up in recent years and just left it to the plane. And then, obviously, I think them question marks will follow him at some point in his career, but... On, I think, and in the criteria we've given with his sporting achievement and his like ability to be known, I, I'm inclined to agree with James here with him fifth, or at least on his list anyway, because I might have put him slightly higher up on mine. So, I've also put him slightly higher up on mine. I but yeah, he he, he he made my list. Mm-hmm. Out of curiosity, boys, where do you put him then? I put him second on my list. Oh, funny enough, so did I. <laughs> I didn't see. Look, I put him in fourth, so we don't have to cover him again. So, all right, come on then, Andy. Who's fifth on your list then, mate? I, again, like James, I had some people who I could have put in the top five who didn't make it, but I have put down at number five Diego Maradona. For me, Ooh. I think as his, his achievements and the, the fact that when you think about football, he's probably the first name you think about if you think about football as a world sport rather than just in England. He's talented beyond where most players have ever been and will ever be. And I mean, he, he's just achievements of his career, winning in Italy, won the World Cup with Argentina, painting a lot of England, a lot of English people with that. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, and for, for, for me, Someone had to be in my top five representing football as a sport, and he is the one that I put in there for that. And oh, I think he is. Yeah, we're, we're never going to see anyone who is like that ever again. See, interestingly, I seem to agree with you. I needed a footballer, 
but I actually put Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, so this is this is see, the Maradona it's... one. I can I can understand your reasoning, but when I'm with Alf on this, when you've got Messi and Ronaldo, who are probably the best players of all time between the two of them, yeah. I, I can't agree with the Maradona one. I don't think he won enough. I think it's hard because we never end. saw Maradona play. But the way that Messi and Ronaldo have dominated for, well, it's getting on to 10 years now, maybe a bit further back even then, because Messi obviously won the Champions League in 2008. So you could even go a bit back further than that. I just think to be at the both of them pushing each other, if I could have given a joint fifth, it would be to Messi and Ronaldo. But unfortunately for Messi, international achievements, I've gone for Ronaldo. You know, I, I think the argument here is I think just Messi and Ronaldo, both of them have done it on club stage. Obviously, Maradona won a World Cup on the big and probably arguably the biggest stage of all when we come to that conversation later if we have time. But it's just at club level, I don't think Maradona did enough for me to personally justify putting him in the top five of all time. Unfortunately Plus, for me as well, his personal problems. Yeah, and the legacy is tainted with the hand of God. Yeah, and the cocaine, which is alleged, and the, yeah, and the band, the bands. I think that Mars is history a bit. And yeah, other than Napoli, because he didn't really Barcelona. He got moved on pretty quickly. Obviously, he had quite a bit of success there, but not nothing spectacular. And then went back to Argentina after a disappointing spell in Seville. I, I, yeah, I, I can see why because I, I agree with the point. If you say Maradona, you think of football. And most people will, but I don't think it's quite enough in my eyes. Yeah, I was I was going to put Tiger Woods in there, but mm-hmm. I picked Maradona over him. Oh, and uh, that was the choice. I mean, because again, Tiger Woods is, when you think of the sport of golf, probably first name you would think of. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He's the face of the sport. He's won uh, countless masters. I think it's five. Don't quote me on that. I'm not entirely sure, but I think it is five masters. And that's got to be up there with the record for any individual player. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, also, he, I agree with the fact that the comeback story as well for Tiger Woods has been really good. So, technically, to be knocked down like he was and have his name thrown around in the media the way it was and bounce back from that is, again, yeah, it's an inspiring story to hear that he could be hard like he was and didn't affect his ability to come back and be as good as he was before that I'm going to come to Alf on this one about Ronaldo and why you've put him fifth and only fifth because that's considering he's probably arguably the best footballer of all time arguably alongside Messi I wonder why you've put him so low the reason I put him fifth was because I couldn't decide between him and Messi Mm mm-hmm and I think that's probably why he's fifth, whereas the other names I've gone for have dominated their sport, personally. Whereas it's always been Messi and Ronaldo. It's never just been Ronaldo. And so I think that's... Uh, again, it, you know, these five are interchangeable. I have just quickly done it in my head, kind of thing. Yeah, no, but, no, no worries. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why I would put him where I've put him, purely because it's between him and someone else at his okay. time. That makes sense, that makes sense. So I've gone slightly more left field for this number five for me, and I've gone for Michael Phelps, the no, sure single best Olympian of all time. 
I think he's got 28 medals out of available 30, I think it was. And I could not, like, again, in, in the way of, you think of swimming, it's Phelps is up there straight away. And arguably, or is the most successful Olympian of all time. I was looking through some of his career records he's got here. He's got 21 Guinness World Records to his name, as it stands, which is like ridiculous for any athlete to have. Uh, his, re his record tally is ridiculous. It was, I think it was the Beijing Olympics where he like he properly came onto the scene where he won every single category he entered with, with like it's just superhuman. Like I don't think we can't have a conversation without speaking about him. And he's similar to Usain Bolt, isn't he? And that he'll get overlooked because he's not in a team sport, but it's just as significant in an individual sport. Mm. And Bolt was another one that could have got on the list. Yeah, the, the thing I wanted to highlight more about him is his honesty and his post-career. He's spoken quite candidly in, about his mental health struggles, which I admire as an athlete. It takes a lot to bring that sort of stuff up. And he's mentioned his substance abuse, his issue with weed to manage his anxiety, his depression. And he's openly spoke about, about his suicide attempt or attempting to commit suicide after the 2012 Olympics. Like... For any athlete to mention that, and considering the successes he's had on his, in his personal career as well, like it's just someone for me that I thought deserved mentioning in here. Not potentially as big as some of the other names, but I think he definitely deserved a mention just for how successful he is. He he's three on my list because oh, of how successful he is. Hmm. But it's that I think James has stumped it up perfectly. Like, like Bob. Like Bolt, like obviously he does a singular sport, and how big is swimming in compared to something like a basketball, a cricket, an NFL, football? It's like, I think he, if we were rating him, he'd get eleven out of ten for sport and achievement, but then well knownness maybe not because I don't think many people would instantly jump out with him as their first name. Phelps. He's he's the most successful Olympian of all time. That's yeah, why I um, list. If, if you follow the Olympics, that is a name that is sort of synonymous with that tournament. Because yeah, it's like Steve, like Steve Redgrave. You don't have to like Rowan, but everybody knows Steve Redgrave. He's he's been, which is why he's when we come to the fourth place. That's where he was on my list. You've got Sir Steve Redgrave at the fourth. Not, no, not so Steve Redgrave, oh. Michael Phelps. <laughs> oh. I was thinking that as a left field choice. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell. I thought oh, that would have Michael Phelps. I have Michael Phelps as the uh, as next on my list in fourth place. Well, not as left field as James Thornton. No, I have Brady fourth on mine as well, to be fair. So I think we've covered Phelps and Brady. I'm supposed to have agreed on them, to be fair, boys. <laughs> it's not usual. Brady, but... Brady's, my, Brady's my number, yeah, number two, I think. He is number Same. two. All right, Alf, we'll open it up then because we've discussed, obviously, Phelps, Brady. Who's your number three on your list? Ah, oh, see, now this this was also a toss-up, but purely because of his legacy currently and what he's done, Michael Jordan for me. He's <laughs> my number three as well. Oh, goodness. I feel so... Yeah, he's also number three on my list. Oh, he was... <laughs> He was on the list of 50 people. It was between him and Kobe. And I thought Jordan, purely as a player, was better than Kobe. But Kobe was a bigger name. 
Jordan has become more associated with the brand of basketball instead of the actual basketball, whereas but I think Co- he's better than Kobe. But, but if you're talking legacies, I think Jordan has a much... Unfortunately, obviously, Kobe yeah. has passed, but I think Jordan has a much bigger legacy. Yeah. Of, and he is synonymous. You think of basketball, if you ask about successful teams, Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. Oh, 100% agree with you. He... And the film Space Jam. And Space Jam. Obviously, that's part of his legacy. Do you know what that, I mean? That is the greatest um, film of all time. Jordan's on there for me. Jordan's on there for me. I, yeah, I, I, he's, he's, he didn't make my list. top five, unfortunately. He was on that list of people that I died down. I just couldn't include him because there was someone that I thought deserved number three better. And that was Sir Lewis Hamilton. Was my number three on this list. The most successful F1 driver in history. The most titles or joint titles in history. Most career wins. And also then when we discuss the legacy element of it, I think he's done some excellent work in the environment side of things. His development of social justice issues with Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter protests. The reason he's not on my list is, unfortunately, his legacy isn't complete yet. With all of these things, they are currently just his ideas. Mm-hmm. He's putting them into place, but they are just ideas at the moment. Obviously. About if it... And also, obviously, he's joint with Schumacher in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And so if I couldn't put Schumacher on this list, I couldn't put Lewis. Yeah, they're, they're both sick, joint sixth of mine, Hamilton and Schumacher. Yeah, yeah it was a toss-up between Hamilton and Schumacher, but I think if you asked people of older or younger than us, or a couple of years younger than us, most people will know Hamilton. I fell in love with F1 watching Schumacher but when I was younger, but he was at the latter stage of his career, so I didn't know how good he was. Whereas Hamilton nowadays is, I think, the face of F1, where Schumacher was competing against a lot of the, in, people of the time. And I think it was just that, if you look at it purely in sporting terms and like how they've competed, Hamilton comes out on top on pretty much every category nowadays even in my limited knowledge of f1 i know how successful hamilton is and how good he is at that sport so it's it's, again it's a bit like what you were saying earlier with uh tom brady how even if you don't follow nfl you know his name you know what he's achieved hamilton is in the same category and if you don't follow the sport you know what he's achieved and you've heard of him yeah that's why i found one that's why I echoed Andrews, and in my list that was kind of overlooked was uh, Tiger Woods, just in that he's synonymous yeah. with golf. I had him Tiger Woods and uh, Jordan three, but um, I mean Tiger Woods between '99 and 2010, he was at least number one in every single one of those years. He had a bit mm-hmm. of a gap between 2004, September 04, and June 05. Well, the so questions were: it, the, the rumor time. is he allegedly retired in order to get out of a gambling ban that he was facing. He's always denied and said that was never the case and that never happened. Yeah, well, there's always been a bit of a, a cloud around Tiger Woods for his uh, personal yeah. life. But I don't think he can get away from his quality as a golf star. And that kind of adds to adds to the kind of myth around it, it, Tiger Woods is, is what goes along. Also with... ...contain this level of... He's, he's one of the greats of that sport and one of the sporting greats as well. Yeah, I mean, he's got a tough he's achieved. 
I mean, every American knows the name Tiger Woods, and I think that goes to show. But I think most Brits would know the name Tiger Woods as well. Well, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, I, I, he, he's one of those, like Michael Jordan is the face of basketball, and Braid is the face of the NFL. Mm. He's the face of golf, Tiger Woods. Yeah, unfortunately so, for me, he just wasn't in comparison to some of the others on this list. Again, him, Kobe, Jordan are all on like a list of players that I've got or sports stars that I have on here that I just looked at it and it's like I can't put them above these play people unfortunately yeah. it's just something with Woods is just obviously it, there's question it, marks I mean it's... I didn't think that we would have our list would have so much in common yeah I thought there'd be more debate I mean, here to be honest <laughs> um, we've, we've all got I've got Phelps, Brady and Jordan on my list which I would assume three pretty solid ones yeah I like come on then I'm interested to hear your number twos Andy we'll, we'll let you open up here who have you put down well I mentioned briefly earlier uh, the person I've got in second Tom Brady Tom yeah. Brady Alfie same here Tom Brady, Brady. James uh, Ronaldo so yeah we've not really di- we've not really discussed Ronaldo over this have we we could bring Ronaldo. that up in a minute because but... oh, who I've put as my number one but come on, James, let's hear your, your reasons for Ronaldo over a Messi or a Maradona. Ronaldo, um, well, he recently, didn't he just score 100 goals since turning 30? Or was it 200 goals? He's just hit a landmark that most players don't even get in their career. And he's just had since turning 30. So since being past his prime, he's just gone on and got tons of goals. He's won stuff at international level. He's hauled Portugal, who have arguably been worse on paper than Argentina. And he's hauled them to a... You know, it wasn't a scintillating watch at the Euros in 2016, but, you know, he still did it. And I just think his um, relentless ability to stay at the top of his game for as long as he has. And then he's always moved around and he's achieved every club he's been at. He's not been a Messi that's just stayed with, you know, Barcelona. He's gone and done it in every league he's been in. So as much as he can come across as arrogant, I don't think you can argue about his um, his talent as a, as a GOAT. I, I think I what, what... I agree with that, like... His career achievements are next most to impressive with him is that you t- you talk about most players and you think well players when they get to thirty they sort of lose a little bit or they drop off they don't score as many he's him and Messi to be fair are two who have that they seem to be getting better and better every season they play and Ronaldo scoring as many goals now as he was when he was twenty seven and mm. he's now what thirty six. It's one of those players. Oh, it's timeless. That's the word. He's just aged like a fine wine. (laughs) It's uh, he's uh, he's getting better. The older, the more experienced he gets. Now his pace isn't such a usable part of his game. He still has some, but Mm -hmm. it's not what it used to be when he was in his twenties. Now learnt to adapt his game to what he does still have. 100%. Which is amazing finishing instinct, and aerially, he's got to be one of the best players in the world aerially. I mean, mm. there was that didn't didn't he have the record for the uh, highest jump, highest uh, header? It's in how high he jumped to get it. Yeah, it was that one where it's like knee. It was like his shin was level with the player's head. It was like ridiculous. Yeah, like... it was like. <laughs> Something like nine meters off the ground, or something like that. Yeah, sounds about right. Mm. 
Oh, see, look, I've gone again. Yeah, I don't know if this just sums me up more. Yeah. I've gone more left field again. I've gone Mid Ali for me. Because I've I got think... him at my uh, number one. Oh, see, I was going to bring him up. I've got him as number two on this list. I think sporting achievement, unifying the belts, is just, again, incredible. He was, if the best boxer of that generation. Him I and think... Mike Tyson are the two you think of when you think of boxing. <sighs> I think legacy-wise, his protesting against the Vietnam War, his way, it's the adversity he faced, especially being a black man at the time in the sixties, the seventies, when he was and being um, diagnosed with Parkinson's mm -hmm. and fighting it for the last what thirty odd years of his life. His, I also want to cover, and then the well-knownness element of it, right? In America, they did a survey of uh, with over twelve of like who do they recognise? And 97% of Americans over the age of 12 identified Muhammad Ali as a person they recognised. Like, yeah, he no, was he's... an absolute icon and probably had probably the best fights in history. The Rumbles in the Jungles or something else. The Frazier fights are... Thriller in Manila. Yeah. He, it will, just... he will ever be an icon of both for his sport, sport in general, but mm -hmm. for standing up for what you believe in because he wasn't afraid and he did time and time again stand up against or in support of things that he believed in that makes him as much of a makes him as much of a sporting hero as his sporting achievements in the ring did because mm -hmm. yeah, it goes back to the legacy thing his legacy will not just be a sporting based one it will be one based on him standing up like against the Vietnam War and against racial divides that there were. And yeah, that, that's what is as impressive about Muhammad Ali and why, like James, he's the number one on my list. Yeah, if you go through his career achievements, I think, he, that, or like even just post career, like the talks of him that when he travelled during the Gulf War to meet Saddam Hussein to negotiate the release of American hostages. The instant of like the infamous clip of him talking down a suicidal man from up a building, it's like no, it's it's, it's really impressive. Yeah, a principal man that I think led his life as he wanted to, and came up came across, especially in his career during them times where he was, yeah, was the minority and was would be racially abused left, right, and centre to still come through and be yeah. the biggest sports star of all time. Like, it's remarkable, yeah. What he had to overcome, and the fact that his career then made it easier for uh, people of uh, color to get into get into sport because of things that he'd done, made sure that the next generation that were like him didn't have to have the struggle he had mm -hmm. just to get their foot in the door, which is another good thing. There's a lot of people not just in boxing but in other sports that will have people like him to thank for not being cast away no um, I, I totally agree with you Andy and I was going to put him at number one sometimes I'm in an RNA about it but I couldn't quite fully get there in the end I, I also did do my research and I didn't realise he had a music career at one point as well, released two songs which you know just <laughs> shows how far he went with, with his career um, man of many talents 
oh yeah, honestly, some of the clips of his boxing, that one where he's up against the ropes, and he's just, that bloke just can't lay a shot on him. <laughs> it's just nuts. Yeah, no, it's... Right, so we'll cap this off then with my number one, and see, I know I'm going to cause issue here. You've lot have all said Ronaldo or Maradona. I've got Messi as the greatest player of all time, or sports person, sorry, of all time. Why? I, and I will, hear me out, hear me out. He has won six Ballon d'Ors on his own, right? More than any other player in history. He has the most official goals in a calendar year where he scored 91, right? He's also, and then if you include friendlies, he's got the record where he scored 96. He's the only player in history ever to score 40 club goals in 10 consecutive seasons, right? He, him and Ronaldo are joint with the most appearances in that FIFA World Eleven, or whatever you want to call it. He's the only player to score and assist in six different club competitions in a calendar year. I just, yeah, the man is absolutely incredible. Yeah, I get those points, Jake. To be fair, but then you, when you got to then compare one to like you got your Ronaldo's or your Pele's, and then you see what Ronaldo's achieved on the international stage, which uh, Messi hasn't. And then you've got the likes of Pele, who has kind of tarnished his reputation by kind of clinging on to any possible goal he might have scored in an under-9s tournament on a <laughs> Sunday or you know, whatever. I, I just think that Ronaldo just kind of trumps it. But, you know, if that's your opinion, then fair enough. Yeah, no, I think it's just the thing with Messi is, obviously, him and Ronaldo are the two people you think of, regardless of your favorite football. And... I just think, although, yes, I know the international stuff will come back and bite Messi probably later in his career. I think the thing with him is just his club record is just be out of this world and suppresses anything Ronaldo has done. That's the only reason. I think Messi's probably played in and been a part of and the focal point of the best teams probably in world football, like that Barcelona 2012 team. He's probably... He was probably the focal point of the best team of this generation, Guardiola Barcelona team. Yeah, and for me that just kind of cemented it. And I was looking at it like Ronaldo has more Instagram followers, is more of a global brand, but Messi as a player, I just think edges it for me between but the two of them. If we're talking about legacy, is him what's happening at Barcelona going to damage that now? Potentially, yeah. And we talk about these, but I think if we look back, he never leaves. It's one of them things that people just gloss over this period in history. He was a one-club man. There was moments in for the 99 treble-winning season at United. Ferguson was on the, on the brink of being sacked. But no one speaks about that because Ferguson then went on and had a 20-year career where he won pretty much anything and everything. And I mean, if you're looking at the situation at Barcelona, he's given more than they could ever have imagined to that club. Is, he is the face of that club and will be even when he's not playing there. Yeah. And so I don't, it, I don't, it probably will tarnish his, his uh, legacy, but I think that would be unfair considering that he's been backed into this corner. He hasn't chosen to be in this position. That is very true. And also, he's given so much to them, they cannot question or throw any shade in his direction. Because without him, they wouldn't have won half the trophies they have. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, he has been the best player at the best club in Europe. Of their best ever player of the best ever club in Europe. So I guess um, if you look at it like that, in terms of the current 
in terms of in our generation, he has been probably the best player over that period of time. Yeah, I don't want to be so definitive and black and white with it. But yeah, that was the reason for me. He just edged it out. If, yeah, if you had to pick one, it was very I, I, tough. And as also as a football podcast, I could not not have Messi or Ronaldo at number because I'm sat here with I've got gymnasts on my list. I've got cricketers. I've got tennis players. I've got athletes like Mary Farrer and Jessica Ennis. I've got rugby players and Dan Carter, Richie McCaw. But, Alfie, you have gone completely different to the rest of us here. I have, purely because of her legacy, her sustainability, the adversity she's had to face, and the role model she is to millions and millions of little black children, I have gone Serena Williams. Yeah. I just... If if you... I think the highest... Not highest, but if you say tennis, you think Roger Federer, Nadal, Serena Williams. If you said that about most other sports in football, you'd say Ronaldo Messi. You wouldn't mention a female. In, you know, for her to even be discussed with those names, I think is testament enough to her mm-hmm. and what she's done to pop popularise the women's game of tennis. And to be honest, for me... Uh, when you think of tennis, you don't think of it as a male and a female sport anymore. You think of males and females. And I think that's her greatest legacy. I think it's as well what she's, what she's done for the quality yeah. of women's tennis as well. Because to be the best, you have to match her level or beat her level. Yeah. She keeps playing at the same level, which brings everyone up to a higher and higher level because they want to get closer to overtaking her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the woman's had a baby and is going back at the very top of her game. You, you know, some some people just are oh, great, just and she she is one yeah. of those people. Yeah, I I totally agree. And like when we speak about legacy and what we look back on with Serena Williams, she is the embodiment of tennis, male or female. But alongside your Roger Federer's, your Nadal's, your Djokovic's. And I think I totally agree with you. That is a complete testament to her. I think she's going to break the record eventually for most Grand Slams won by an individual in tennis at some point. But it's then what she's done outside of tennis as well. I think her activism, and especially we brought it up with Lewis Hamilton and the Black Lives Matter movement, which has propelled racial inequality into the spotlight. I think she has been a massive boost and benefit and changed the way people look at things. And mm-hmm. that's the master testament. We've all seen that cartoon from the Australia Open, which was absolutely horrific, just stupid of the highest order. That doesn't even cover it. It was just ignorant and it was just vile. So, but then still come back, still win the Australian Open and held your head up high and keep going and just keep smashing down doors. Like, and I think she, I, I can agree with you on that one. Like, definitely. She's also as well, more than just with the sport she plays, if you think about women in sport as a whole, yeah. she is probably sort of the, the beacon in that department, the standout. And she can she shows to everyone, wherever you come from, whatever you go through, that you can, if you have the ability or if you have the desire to work for it like she did, hmm. and you can achieve the sort of thing she's achieved. 100%. 
I think had success across different courts as well. Obviously, I think there was Margaret Court or something. Uh, we won't speak about her because, again, some questionable comments about the LGBT community, which, again, has tarnished her legacy who Serena Williams is trying to break her record. But she only yeah. won pretty much in the Australian Open. I think she won out of her 24 titles. How many titles was it? I can't remember off the top of my head. But Serena Williams, basically, anyway, my point was, has won across all of them pretty equally. The Australia Open, Wimbledon, and the US Open. She's all won pretty much level with each other, which is nuts. Mm. And like that 2015 like tennis year I look at here, she won three out of four available and only lost out on the semi-finals of the US Open. And she won 26 out of 27 matches that year. It's just nuts. <laughs> yeah. She's just an incredible player. And yeah, that there may never be anyone in women's tennis at the level she's at. Well, it's a tool yeah. to be fair, but I think in sport in general. It's, uh, yeah, no, she's... For the adversity as well, That, that that's probably the biggest thing that yeah. is impressive about her. She is what, what I would call she, the first woman goat, and I think what, that is testament to her. What she will have had to go through to even get into the professional circuit of tennis, yeah. being female and being black as well the time she was breaking through as well get from that to what she's now is testament to her and i think she deserves the title of the first woman goat which i would agree with yeah it's so tough like, like i've said some honorable mentions that i have on my list i've got jimmy anderson wilt chamberlain who's arguably the best basketball player of all time although not as well known Simone Biles, the gymnast in the Amer for the American team. Sachin Tandorka for cricket. Usain Bolt for sprinting. Beirut for baseball. Michael Schumacher, Alain Ross, and Ayrton Senna for F1. I've also got Nigel Mansell on that list. Mike Farah, Jess Karenis, Greg Rutherford. All big British names. Not arguably for the best of all time, but British names that could go on that list. Dan Carter, Richie McCall, Johnny Wilkinson. All from rugby that... Dan Carter is probably the best number 10 of all time and it doesn't get onto this list. Don Bradman, whose test average in cricket is 99 and the nearest to him is 63, doesn't make it onto this. I mean, the point I'm going to try and make as we wrap it up and stuff is it's, it's near impossible. I know we've sat here and spoke definitively on a list, but you just can't. And all of these athletes across the board are just incredible and to get to that elite game and to be the best on the top of that elite game takes something else to the, it's just beyond human <laughs> like the mindset and the mentality to keep going and going and going at the age of 43 or a post-career like playing until your 30s your 40s keep still winning it's just something else and I, I love this, to be fair, boys. It's a great way to close out. You've all, I can't thank you boys enough, especially for every Thursday giving me an hour, two, two, three hours sometimes of your time. It's been great chatting. And honestly, to all the support on the account, I can't say thank you enough. Like Without any of the engagements, without you sharing, liking, and putting it out there, like I, I wouldn't have had this opportunity to go on and take steps in, in my professional career this always was a portfolio and a passion of mine and it just happened to grow 
and I can't thank all of you lot enough and I owe a lot to the community for helping me grow. So for one last time boys, it's a goodbye from all of us and hopefully at some point we'll see what happens. Eh? Exactly. Yep. Good luck to you. Cheers everyone. Thank you. And Indeed. I would say see you next week, but thank you.